Hey, business building warrior, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I am your introduction host today. The real hosts will be joining us in just a moment. This is another Coach's Corner episode with Brian and Robin Joy. We get such great feedback from those who've been listening to our podcast for a while. You've heard several episodes where they guest host and they really do a great job because they dive into the most common questions that we're hearing from our many coaching students that are coming through our program. But before we turn it over to them, a couple announcements. Again, like I said, my name is Jim. I'm the most typical host around here, you could say. I love interviewing those successful students who are emerging from our community. If this happens to be the first podcast episode you've ever listened to, or maybe you've only listened to a couple so far, I would strongly encourage you to check out 15, 20, maybe 30 recent episodes because you're going to hear story after story after story of people who are using the proven Amazon course, which there's a link in the show notes to proven amazoncourse.com. That's our flagship course where we train the strategies that our successful students who we interview, strategies they're using to build incredible businesses. Well, Brian and Robin, they work with a good number of students who not only have the course, but they decide to get some coaching as well. We've got a good number of coaches. Brian and Robin manage one of the coaching teams. That's their role. So today when they start to dive into the topics of getting used to the idea of testing to find replens, what that means, why it matters, what that process feels like, how to know when you're doing it right, what are you looking for? It's a really good, useful lesson for those who are on the newer end of being in our community, meaning maybe you haven't got momentum yet. Maybe you're struggling to find good replens. Maybe you're struggling to find that good inventory. This is a good episode for you. Now, if you're so new that you don't even know what a replen is, when I say the word replen, well, that's simply just an underserved listing on Amazon where you find a gap in the Amazon marketplace and you bring the product to that gap where there's opportunity for you to make a nice profit helping meet the demand of the shoppers on Amazon.com. It's a beautiful business model. It's one that we've taught to numerous people. In fact, in our free Facebook group, 72,000 members there. Another time to use silentgym.com to go jump into our free Facebook group. You can see for yourself, we've got about 1,600 tagged success stories, or I should say success posts from our successful students, hundreds of stories. And on this podcast, dozens of recent examples of interviews with students who are doing that exact business model, which is our foundational business model for all the Amazon strategies that we teach here. Now, this is important. Replens is one of a few dozen different models that we love to teach around here. But it just so happens to be the model that we teach to all of our new students. With very rare exception, do we encourage students to do anything else except learn replens? Because once you've got that foundation down, there's so many directions you can go and you'll have the confidence and the experience to pursue those other directions. So one of the lessons I wanted to point out today, I actually saw a scientific study that had been done on learning new skills. And as you hear Robin and Brian say, talk about the skill of finding good ASINs, finding good replens that you can sell on Amazon. That is a new skill for a lot of people. It's, there's a learning curve there, much like learning to play the piano or learning karate. A couple examples that Brian uses today, I would say learning to ride a bike. 
there's an uncomfortable period where you just don't kind of know what you're doing. You'd like to be more confident that you are. You'd like to be more skilled than you are, but you're just not there yet. So here's a little tip that I saw from a, from, again, this is a a study and I, maybe I'll put a link to it in the show notes today so you can go look it up yourself. But if you'll believe me, it resonated with me and it just makes total sense that it can take up to three or 400 repetitions to learn a new skill, to, to carve the paths in your brain where it becomes a familiar activity. But you can speed that process up dramatically to where it only takes 10 to 20 repetitions if you do it in a slightly different way. So instead of taking three to 400 repetitions, you can do it in 10 to 20 repetitions. You can start to form new skills and new habits. You can start to carve new grooves in your brain of familiarity with a certain skill set. You know how you do that in, in far less time is you start to associate it with a fun activity of some kind. You have fun while you're doing it. You make it into a game. You make it into a challenge for yourself. Have you ever done that before? I strongly encourage new students in our community to start a business journal, keep track of their progress, set mini goals with little rewards. So it becomes a game. It becomes a challenge. And then after you've done it 10, 20 times, you're going to start to feel some familiarity. However, if it's just a total drag and you have to force yourself to do it, it could take three or 400 repetitions to become familiar with a new skill that you're wrestling with. Hopefully that makes sense and encourages you. And it kind of is a good theme to feed us into the discussion that we're going to have with Brian and Robin today as they go through the many benefits of practicing and testing ASINs. Because a lot of times people think, well, I'm not really doing it right until I'm putting money in the bank. I'm just, I'm not doing this thing right. Unless I'm making a profit, I haven't figured it out yet. And there's just no benefit to any of this until I'm making money. Well, look at it this way. You're actually getting paid to learn a new skill, even if you're just making the tiniest bit of profits. Sometimes people will complain or say, I've only sold 10 or 20 items and I've only made like $10 after all the expenses, what's going on? Well, you are getting paid, not much, but you are getting paid to learn a new skill. And that new skill, now that you have it, could develop into one of those incredible success stories, the kind that you've got hundreds of people talking about in our free Facebook group, the kind that you've heard dozens of people talking about on this program. Pretty soon you'll be one of those people, for example, who's saying things like, I'm finding more profitable inventory than I could possibly ever get to and purchase and process. There's too much out there. You'll go from saying, I can't find profitable items to saying, that's the least of my problems. Building a good system is my challenge. I'm building systems, hiring people. I'm overwhelmed and swamped with great ASINs that I could and should be purchasing. Once you've got the basic skill sets down, that's when you flip the switch and you go from category A, I can't find things, to category B, I'm seeing stuff everywhere. But it's a matter of practice. It's a matter of discipline. It's a matter of going through these initial small test steps of finding your way through it, testing some products, maybe losing a few dollars here and there, making a few dollars, but you're slowly learning the system. So that's my summary of some great information that Brian and Robin Joy are getting ready to share with you today. Hey, if you enjoy these Coaches Corners, please give us some feedback and let us know. One last announcement before I turn the show over to those guys. If you haven't made plans to come to the Proven Conference yet, you need to get over to the website. Remember these three words, the Proven Conference. 
Com. Get over there, get your tickets. Hundreds of people will be joining us July 6th through 8th, 2023 in Columbus, Ohio. A whole bunch of the guests you've heard on this show, a whole bunch of our coaches. You're going to have a blast. You're going to learn a ton. We've got 40 breakout sessions coming. See some of what we've got planned on the website, theprovenconference.com. All right, Brian and Robin, take it away. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. We are your co-hosts. I'm Brian. And I'm Robin Joy. This is Coach's Corner. Hi. We are super stoked to come to you this week and talk about some of the, uh, I don't know what we would call this, fundamentals of getting started in the business. Like the fundamentals. Yes. So, uh, you know, we, the questions are fairly consistent, right? Across the, across our new client base when we get new coaching clients and and that's what we like to talk about here is a lot of uh, questions that we get or concepts or struggles, challenges that people are facing when they're just getting started in the business. Right. And we're talking about uh, newer people who are new to Amazon as well, fairly new to Amazon. So we're still talking about fundamentals and getting started. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So we hear this a lot. Like, well, how do I know if this can be added to my replens list? How do I, how do I know if this is a replen or not? Mm-hmm. And I know you've got a great uh, response to this, Robin. What is that? Uh, test it. You have to test it. I don't know if it's going to be a replan until I test it. I don't know if it's going to be a replan for me and meet my requirements mm-hmm. until I test it. Right. So I'm going to I'm going to buy three or four of those, send them in, see if that history that I can see in Keepa holds true, and that does happen for me, mm-hmm. and how often it happens, so I know how many to replenish. Okay, so we're in the beginning. Then, I, if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, we're not looking for replans. We're looking for tests. Yes. All right. I don't know if they're replens yet. We don't know if they're replens yet. So this is a little bit of a, you know, I don't want to say paradigm shift, but just a different way, to, a different perspective on how we're looking at this, right? We don't go looking for replens. We go looking for tests. Right. And then when an item passes the test, then it goes on the replens list. There you go. All right. There you go. So then the goal here is to test as many items as we can so that we can identify or uncover as many replens as we can. Mm-hmm. Is that tracking? Yeah, that sounds right to me. So, uh, but I think there's some more things that we can get out of that that testing period besides just seeing if it gets on the replens list or not. I like it, I like yeah. it. There is there so? are benefits to that. So, mm-hmm. and I think the point here is that we don't need to be perfect right. when we're identifying tests that would go on our replens list because we're going to gain experience and knowledge and mm-hmm smarts about how this business works, right? Um, as we're going through it. So the benefit is more than just adding to the replens list. What are some of those benefits? Well, one of the benefits is that we can go through what you call the cycle, right? Mm-hmm. We can go through the cycle. It's uh, the finding an ASIN, packaging it, putting it in a box, shipping it to Amazon's warehouse, putting it up for sale, pricing it and repricing it in many cases mm-hmm. and getting it sold. That cycle you have to do over and over and over and over. In the beginning, you have to do that cycle as many times as you can because you're not good at it the mm-hmm. first time you do it, mm-hmm. right? Just like mm-hmm. anything else, you can't go sit down and play the piano and be good at it. You have to practice. Mm-hmm. What's what's the analogy you, used to, you like to use, Brian? Uh, Everybody knows. Oh, I like to use the karate you. kid analogy. Yeah. 
I love the Karate Kid analogy, right? And I'm just yeah. going to take a second to tell the story. Okay. So remember, uh, Daniel-san wants to learn karate. <laughs> so he goes to Mr. Miyagi and says, will you teach me karate? And he says, well, yeah, I'll teach you karate. Mm-hmm. Come out to my house um, and we'll start tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So Danielson goes out there, uh, meets with Mr. Miyagi. And the first thing Mr. Miyagi does is have him, what? Start waxing cars. Yeah. And he shows him the process. Wax on, wax off. Wax right. on, wax off. Right? Right. right. And so Danielson's like, oh, this is cool. And by the way, this is a really cool car, which he gets at the end of the movie. And right. And, right. And, and he's like, oh, this is this is cool. Thanks, Mr. Miyagi. He's tired. He's sore. He goes home. Doesn't really think about it. Comes back the next day, wax the other car. Right. And uh the and he's like, okay, I waxed your car. I waxed your cars. What's next? Now teach me karate. Right. He thinks that uh, Mr. He was doing a favor for Mr. Miyagi before to pay him for teaching him karate, right? Right, right. And then Mr. Miyagi says, Here, I'm gonna show you, you gotta paint the fence. So use a brush like this, paint the fence, and do all these things with paint the fence, right? And uh, Danielson's like, you know, oh, okay, great. I'm I'm doing more chores for you, right? Right. So yeah. he, he does the chores, he paints the fence, and and then oh, like on the third week or whatever, he comes back and and he's like, okay, the fence is painted, you know, the cars are waxed, you know, we're gonna learn karate now. Butchered the whole. I know. The horse. <laughs> we should watch the movie again. But I think the people, everybody gets the idea. Well, no, I got to finish it up. Now. I'm sorry. Two thirds of the way there. I know. Yeah. I mean, cutting me off here. I'm okay. sorry. So <laughs> then he comes did. back to the TV and he's like, okay, uh, Mr. Miyagi says, you got to sand the floor. Mm-hmm. So he's got this big wooden deck out in his backyard and you got to sand the floor, sand the floor, sand the floor, sand the floor. And finally, Danielson is like, you know, enough of this crap, right? right? Like, he's like, I came here for you to teach me karate. And all I'm doing is waxing your cars and painting your fence and sand the floor, doing all these chores for you, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, you, time to pay up yeah, mr miyagi I learn how to, i want to learn karate so mr miyagi says oh you think that's all you've been doing all you've been doing is sand on the floor and painting the fence he goes i want you to wax the car when i throw this punch and that's not exactly how it goes because he throws the punch that mr miyagi does and danielson is like wax on right wax off and he's blocking punches and he says you know like paint the fence and he's <laughs> and mr miyagi's you know doing all these offensive moves and danielson's blocking them all and, you know, and all of a sudden it sort of clicks for him. It's like, oh, he uh, has been learning all He's been learning all along with these motions, right? He just didn't right? understand why that was a good motion to do. Right, right. And, but now he does. And he got, you know, and he got good at it. He got good at waxing the car and sitting on the floor and painting the fence and all that he stuff, right? did it over and over and over. These were the drills, not unlike playing the piano, right? Right. You don't get good at piano and just sit down. You got to do the scales. You got to practice yes. the songs. You got to do all those things that Every make time. you good. Um, or help you to be good at playing that instrument. Same thing with karate in this case. And I realize it's a super simple example, but I do like to use that one with my clients because mm-hmm. everyone says, and I'm going to paraphrase, I want to, you know, jump in the ring and be, a, you know, undefeated, or I want to get in there and kick some butt, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, and they do. They, they do. do. We all to. do. We, we all, all do. do. Right. Absolutely. I mean, there's really nothing not more appealing about, you know, being really good at what it is you set out to do. Mm-hmm. But you're not born that way, right? It takes practice. It takes the drills. And uh, and a lot of what we're doing here, it, when that cycle, are doing those drills. We shop. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. We source. We shop. We prep. We manage the inventory. We manage the sales process. And then the example I was giving you earlier was, yeah. is like taking a race car around the racetrack. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. So the very first time you get in the car and you're going around the track, that's not going to be your fastest lap. Right. You are not going to run your fastest lap the first time out. That's true. Why is that? 
Well, because you don't know how long the lap's going to be. You don't know how tight that curve's going to be. Well, yeah. on, what, what kind of track you're on? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's called a road, a road course, yeah. right? right? It's not always left turns, right? Right. <laughs> it could be. You don't know, right? You say you've never driven this car before. Mm-hmm. You don't know. I mean, you can put different tires on the car; it'll behave differently. Mm-hmm. Whatever right? you can drive faster, you can drive Tighten slower. You can tighten the steering. Yeah. There are all these little tweaks and adjustments that mm-hmm. you can make, but until you get out there and put some laps on those tires, you don't know what you need to tweak. Right. Right. So this process of testing mm-hmm. the ASINs to f- identify those that could make it to your uh, replens list is like completing laps on the track. Right. So it gives you experience. Yes. It gives you experience and helps you know what you want to do next. Right. What you want to do with it. Yes. Right? Yes. All right. Tell, tell me something else that it does for you besides uh, the cycles and testing for your replans. We've got that. Okay. We're going to test. It either passes the test for replan because mm-hmm. it meets your requirements mm-hmm. or it doesn't. In, yep. In which case you sell out and move on, put your money in the next thing. Right. Well, one of the benefits, one more of the benefits that you get is... Uh, remember, as a new seller, there's like four categories that you're open for, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to cover them here because I might get it wrong. But <laughs> um, but those four categories are all that you are approved to sell in until you actually start applying. Uh, you can just by applying, even if you haven't sold anything, there are certain brands that you can get approved to sell. Usually but not categories. Though. Usually not categories. Not in the beginning. Eventually you will be able right, to. Right, right. Mm-hmm. The number one thing, though, that opens up the landscape for you is... Selling product. Selling product. Selling sales product. and time. Yep. Okay. Sales and time. And, and and I would say sales takes care of, all, of most of that. Yeah. I mean, it's probably 70, 30 or 80, 20 sales yeah. related in terms Build of being Build a sales number. Yeah. And you you will be opened up to more categories and more brands and, automatically. And the bar is pretty low there yeah. even, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes too long, but we you just sell 20, 30 items, all of a sudden you know, a few, a, a few gates will open for you. A few, and, yeah. and then you sell 20 to 50 or 30 more items, whatever it is, uh-huh. and more gates open to you. And pretty soon you're doing five, you know, seven, eight, ten thousand $10,000 a month. And the world is your oyster. So let me get this right. Mm-hmm. So if I sell things, even if it didn't pass my test and I, I just broke even on it mm-hmm. or made, you know, 50 cents on it or whatever, mm-hmm. but I was testing it to see if it would meet my criteria for replants, but yes. it didn't. Mm-hmm. I still get sales to show Amazon that builds my trust with Amazon right. so that they will open up more right. categories and brands too. So that's the second thing. The first one was you get laps on the track. Yes. You get to know how you want well, to tweak. Well, the first one was you're testing for your replants. Okay. First one is yeah, it gets to the replant. Second, second one is you get laps on the track, right? Experience. You get the feedback loop completed. Mm-hmm. The more times you get that feedback loop completed, the better mm-hmm. you, you know uh, you're going to get because you know where you need to make tweaks. The third thing is you get ungated mm-hmm. much easier, right? In categories and brands. Right. Those and what, restrictions start being lifted. And there's an, at least a fourth, if not a fifth. But what do oh, you yeah. think is the fourth one? <laughs> the fourth one is that 50 cents I said I might have made, yeah. even though it didn't pass the test. Yeah. I'm basically getting paid, not much, but on those cases, but I'm basically getting paid to learn this process. Yes. Because even if it didn't meet my my margin or ROI requirements, for being getting on my replans list, I still pro- very possibly made a little bit of money. I mean, if it wasn't enough to get on the replans, I'm going to say likely because if you're yeah. doing the if you're doing your homework right when you're sourcing, you are looking for only items where the break even is like below the 
sort of the basement price of that, you know, item. Right. What it's recently sold for. Right. Then what it's yeah, been selling, you know, for, for the last 96, uh, 90 days, six months, 12 months, whatever it is. Right? Yeah, if our break even, okay. If our break even is below kind of what that basement price is, then. Then we've got, we're not risking too much. No. In fact, we, you're, I, I like what you're saying. We're getting paid to gain the experience. It's like a paid yeah. internship. We're keeping our risk really, really low. Mm-hmm. We have a, almost, uh, you know, there are no guarantees, but we're likely going to get our money back if nothing else. And yeah. we're likely going to make a little on it, even if it doesn't meet the replens list. But many of them will. Mm-hmm. Many of those tests will meet yeah. the replens list. And yeah. that is the number one purpose for that. But right. great. So that's four good reasons mm-hmm. to test a lot, lot of items. Even if you're not, if you don't have good evidence that it's going to make a lot of money, even if you you uh, start your return requirements for your replens list low, you can build that list, you can get those cycles for experience, and you might make a little money doing it. Then once you have a list to work with, you can start replacing those low RI item, ROI items mm-hmm. with a little bit better ROI items one at a time and build that list and make it better and better and better. Yes, then this is our push to 100, right? Yes, it's that first 100 ASINs that are kind of... Yeah, we're kind of trying to put a, a theme together here, which is those first 100 ASINs. Yeah. The first 100 ASINs, right? So you can, you can absolutely test a lot, but I would just caution you, don't test blindly, right? Right. Test with evidence... And then when the evidence comes back that it, it can go on your replens list and put it on your replens list, then you've got things to replenish along with the things that you're testing every week or every cycle that you're going through. Right, right. We want to keep that risk really low while we're building that first 100 ASINs because we don't really have anything to spread the risk over until right. we get that built a little bit. Right. So, you know, 75 or 100 ASINs before you start, you know, doing anything else. But that is very important to get that initial list built mm-hmm. with something, you know, some requirements that's maybe not as high as it will be once you get that list built and have something to work with and to make it better. Okay, so let's so, so let me see if I can just paraphrase this right. a little bit and and bring this to a conclusion. What you're saying there, and just this portion, not the whole podcast, yeah, by yeah. the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's not done talking yet. <laughs> so, like, if I identify that my break-even price is below the basement. Yeah. And there's sufficient upside, yeah. right? That What is that sufficient upside? It could be 20%. Um, it could be 40%. It could be 60% or it could be, well, we, it could be Whatever limitless, right? Yeah. right? But in the end, if you come out of there only making 20%, only making 20% on the 20%. one test that you sent in. Yeah, I mean, I, I have said this before, but 20% in a six-week cycle, if you can do that 12, or not 12 times a year in six weeks, but uh, 12 <laughs> times a year, uh, however many times... What's 52 divided by six? I don't know. <laughs> we don't nine, do, don't do about nine time times in a year. <laughs> I know. About nine times a year, then, well, then you're doing way better than your 401k uh, or, oh, yeah. or your IRA. Of course, you don't have that much money in there, but yet, well, right? not yet. Yes. Not right. yet. But you want right. that money turning as quickly as you can and getting some profit off of it right. every time it turns. Okay. Okay. So we've wrapped up the, uh, the case behind testing, right? Yep. Lots of reasons, lots of good reasons to test. So we're looking for tests to turn yeah. into replants. Now, mm-hmm. what are the things I should look out for when I am testing ASINs? Well, as we kind of alluded to before, make sure that you have good evidence that you're going to at least break even or better, right? Yep. 
And so what do I do to, to make sure that's the yeah, case? I jumped the gun on that, didn't I? You did. It's basically saying this what I said mm-hmm. earlier. So that break-even price needs to be below my uh-huh. basement price. That's what I'm looking for. Right. Okay. So what's the break-even price? Explain uh, that to me. Okay. So my break-even price is this, my cost of goods yeah. plus my cost of supplies for mm-hmm. that item mm-hmm. plus my inbound transportation mm-hmm. plus any prep fees if I'm paying a prep center, mm-hmm. right? I think that's about it. I'm not kidding. No, don't forget your referral fees and your fulfillment fee. Did you say that? Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I didn't. You're right. So plus the Amazon fees, right? All of those things added up. Like when I, the total proceeds for the sale that Amazon's going to give me needs to be, now I lost my train of thought on that. <laughs> so if you add the, your expenses up, yep. your cost, whatever it costs you to buy the item, mm-hmm. The referral fee, the fulfillment fee, and any expenses that you have, like a prep center or you know packaging fees, inbound shipping, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that number is that it would cost you to sell that item, that's your break-even item. So if I, if my sale price was the total of that and no more, I would have broken even. Got it. If it was less, I would have lost money. So right? we want to break even or better. Okay, so let's say that an item cost me ten dollars. Yeah. And my inbound transportation, my supplies, my Amazon fees, all that bring up my break-even price to $17. Okay. I need to make sure that my basement price or the low for the last 90 days, 180 days, 360 days, whatever looks right to you on that keep a chart is above that. Yes. That's what I'm looking there for. There you go. Okay. There you go. So if you can just make sure that you're going to break even or above, you have good evidence on mm-hmm. your keep a chart that that price is not dipping below your break-even price, yep. then that is probably a good test. Make yep. sure there's high velocity mm-hmm. and make sure that there is a potential to make money. If you, if it's right there at break-even and it's never been above that, that in the beginning, you probably don't want to test that one. You want to make sure it has potential to meet your requirements. Right. But yeah, keeping that, keeping that break-even above, uh, keeping your... Uh, break even below, sorry, yes. the lowest price that it's been recently. Yep. yep. Okay, good. Okay. So now I actually didn't see this bullet when I was reading uh, the notes before we started, but I think this is an awesome one. And, and I feel very strongly about this. Can I take it? Go for it. All right. Here's the thing about this the business long term for you, if you want to check the box that says success, is going to be about consistency. Yeah. So consistency is every week you're sourcing, every week you're shopping, every week you're shipping, and you're doing the other parts of the business, managing the inventory and managing the sales process, Mm -hmm. right? You got to do that every week or every, you know, whatever your cycle is, every two weeks, every 10 days, whatever that looks like for you and your business, just make sure that you do it consistently, right? So if you have a set amount of money that you're using to start your business with, Mm -hmm. capital, um, seed money, whatever you want to call it, And I'm just going to throw a number out there. I'm just going to say it's $1,000. Okay. Okay. Instead of spending that $1,000 in that first week on tests that you've identified, we suggest that you break that down into five to six weeks. Mm -hmm. So you're spending $200 a week instead of $1,000 in that first week. Why is that important? Well, because what I'm going to be doing is waiting for my money to come back. Mm -hmm. And what I want to do is fill the pipeline. Mm -hmm. So if I get it on a schedule where every week something's selling and my money's coming back, every week mm-hmm. something's selling and my money comes back, mm-hmm. that's going to be much easier for me to become consistent than it is if I send it all in 
at one time and then I have to wait because I it really, I mean, I can source, but I can't buy anything because I don't have any money. Right. So you do have to make these decisions. And, and a lot of times your, your coach can help you break this out and figure out what your budget should look like, depending mm-hmm. on what capital you have. Mm-hmm. But you do have to make those decisions. Now, if you have lots of capital, it's not a worry, then spend $1,000 a week. Then I would say be consistent with the number of tests that you spend. send. It. Yeah, or the spend. Either the spend or the test. That, mm-hmm. That's probably a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Be consistent with the spend or be consistent with the test. Mm-hmm. So say, I'm going to spend $500 every week, every week, every week. Or say, I'm going to send in five tests every week, every week, every week. But what I don't want you to do, if you can help it, is send in, you know, say, okay, I'm going to send 20 tests a week, but you only send in two. I'm going to send 20, 20 a week and I only send in five. Figure out the minimum that you will not let yourself go below and stay consistent with that. If you send more, great, mm-hmm. but make sure you stay consistent with a specific number and that will be helpful to stay consistent, I think. Well, let's tie this back to the cycle that we were talking about before, right? That feedback loop, the laps around the track, because you don't actually finish that lap until you get that final payout from Amazon for the things that you sold. That's correct. And one of the challenges that you have to build into your business is that cycle can be up to six weeks long. And I'll just lay a quick example out here, right? Or so when you consider how long sometimes it takes to get received. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's an or so. Sometimes it's three yeah. weeks, sometimes it's six weeks or eight weeks. So it's, yeah. uh, if the shipment gets lost yeah. um, for two or three weeks, you know, it can be it can be a lot longer than that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, these yeah. things happen, even to the brand it's new people. Trust me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, any business has yeah. these these challenges. But anyway, like if I were going shopping on the first of March, and let's say I'm even using a prep center. Oh, sorry. Uh-huh. Ooh, bad. Uh huh. And. Uh, and then I get those items shipped to my prep center and then it takes them a week. So it's going to take a week to get to my prep center. It's going to take a, a, around a week or so for my prep center to get it turned around. Yeah. Then it's going to take three to five days to get to the first you know, distribution center. And then my shipment gets broken up and put on trucks and shipped throughout the country. <laughs> you know that this can take a while for your item to come be available, come into the prime window, and then potentially for someone to buy it, especially if you're testing and you're starting at the high point and gradually bringing your price down to see what you can sell it for. Love that part, by the way, yeah. because you're maximizing your profit. And I love what Jim says about this too. Yeah. Like, I may only sell three, four, five items of that ASIN a month. Right. But I can sell three or four every month. Yes. And I can sell four or five on another ASIN. And yeah. I can sell seven or eight on another ASIN. Right. And then I've got my risk spread, spread. out. I don't, I'm not gone too deep in anything. And I'm making pretty good profit on everything I am selling. So let's, yeah. So I'm on this listing that sells 200 units a month. I don't need to sell 100. I only need to sell yeah, five to at sell my price, them. right? <laughs> yes, I don't need to sell all of them. So anyway, <laughs> that cycle though, from, from when we initially laid out the money to the, by the time that the customer buys it and then eight days after it's delivered to the customer, Amazon releases the last portion of the, of that money to you, well, you need to sustain yourself during that period. And that's right. why we're saying, you know, whatever your seed capital is, don't blow it all in your first week. Spread yeah. it out over four to six weeks so that you get some consistency going. And we're creating the uh, the consistency in the business. And you do start to get returns that you're putting back into the business yes. before you're putting more capital out. Right, right. Then it starts kind of sustaining itself. Yeah. And you can grow that way. Yeah. So, so good. That's almost a whole podcast in itself. Honestly. I think so I love, about consistency. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we're passionate about that subject. 
Well, um, and, yeah. and the next point we were going to bring up is somewhat related to this, right? Which yeah. is um, if you are finding these things that do sell within that cycle in that 30 to 45 day range, mm-hmm. um, then you will keep your money turning. And the turn rate um, is something that can be super important to your business. Exactly. It makes sure that you're not paying any more storage fees than you have to. Right. You're maximizing the money that you're making on your capital plus the money that you're making on the profits. Right. Because when I get that money back plus the profits, I can put that much more in to my next shipment. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it's a very compelling business model when you look at it and go, wow, this is, I mean, that's why we're all here, right? I think it is very compelling. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, Yeah. We're all here to make money. Mm -hmm. You know, that's part of at least part of what we're, we're here to do Mm -hmm. and what we do with that money varies, but we are here to give you our experience and just tell you some of the things that we have learned mm-hmm. and we appreciate that we have the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. So brings us around, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What cures that? More ASINs. Oh. Tests, more ASINs. Tests, more tests. More tests. More tests. tests. More ASINs. More ASINs. So that you can we're not get- looking for replans. We're looking for tests to see if they'll be replans. So does it work like this? What cures that? Paint more fences? Paint more fences. <laughs> Wax, uh, sand more floors and wax, wax more cars. cars? Wax on, wax off. <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to see it any other way. Yeah. Um, and it is interesting when we get these clients and that we take them through those steps, right? We do. We like, do. Here's, I, you're not, you don't need to see on this play is one of my favorite <laughs> sayings. Um, you don't. The whole other story. Right? You don't need to understand, right? This is the exercise, and after you do it a couple of times, it's going to make sense. Oh, this is when it starts to kick in and click for you. Like, oh, you start putting all these pieces of the puzzle together. The click that we often, you know, hear about and talk about. That That's when right. all those pieces fit together is when, and you get some laps on the track. You know, some some feedback loops done. All right. Um, Yes. So it, if you can do it quickly, yes. I think everybody wants to hear why you keep saying you don't need to see on this play. It's one of the things you say, but it's got to mean something and probably doesn't to the rest of the nation. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it fairly quickly here and, and then we'll be done, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we live in Colorado and I've been a, a, an NFL sports lover my whole life, right? Yeah, we and both that, have. Yeah. yeah. And the team here in Denver is the Denver Broncos. <laughs> and we were, as a, as a franchise, very disenfranchised for a long, long time um, because we had five Super Bowl appearances and no wins. And then we got back to the Super Bowl and we're, uh, we, I say we, like, you know, I was a, <laughs> the team. a mouse in, man, right? in, in, the 12th man, sorry. in Mike Shanahan's pocket, right? So yeah. the, the Broncos make it to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They're playing the Green Finally. Bay Packers, right? Yes. It was the 98 season, the nine, 97 season, whatever. And were the the Broncos are like about ready to score a touchdown and uh, really put the pressure on the Packers. It's the end of the first half. Right. And Terrell Davis had a history of migraines. Terrell Davis was running back. He's really the one who carried us over the top. Right, right. And he gets a migraine in the second quarter with like two minutes to go. And he comes over to the sideline and he's like, you know, he's talking to the, (laughs) no, he's talking to the doctor and the doctor comes over and tells Shanahan, uh, the head coach, Tells Mike Shannon, he's like, yeah, uh, TD's got a, a migraine. He can't, he can't see. Yeah. And uh, Shanahan was like, well, hold on a second. Tell him to come here. So he brings <laughs> TD over and, and he's like, I need you to go in for this play. They had this on camera. Yes. <laughs> we saw it later. He's like, I need you to go in for this play. And Terrell says, coach, see? I can't see, coach. I can't, I can't see. And the coach says, okay, you don't need to see for this play because we're just going to fake it to you. <laughs> so. To see for this play. You don't need to 
Please you, yeah, you don't need to, you just, you're the bait, right? So, um, yeah. So sometimes when we're coaching clients, yeah. we, we tell them, you don't need to see for this play. Let's just, just stand there, do exactly what I tell you. We're yeah. going to take the play for in, you. In a, bit, in a, in a, in a, you know, very um, positive and supportive way. Of course. Yes, <laughs> because like, the play doesn't happen with that. If you're not there. Right. The play, right. Yeah, that's exactly it. This doesn't right. happen unless you are playing this exactly. part. Right. And so I know we're painting the fence here for a while and we're going to be painting yep. the fence for a while okay. and that's okay. That's yeah. okay. That's where so, you need to be. Yeah. All right. Good. Okay. Um, we drove we, that one home, didn't we? We did. All right, you guys. Thanks. Thanks for hanging in with us. We really do enjoy this. We it, really appreciate it. It's our, been our pleasure to be here. We look forward to seeing you next time. See Signing you out. Hey, thanks for joining us today. As we like to do once a week or so, I bring on a good friend of mine, Mr. Jeff Schick of jeffschick.com. He's our resident lawyer with all things Amazon legal, Amazon policy. He always has a great tip for us. What do you have for us today, Jeff? Hey, so I have an interesting one. This is about buying American. Now, this is not some, you know, pro, you know, only buy stuff that's made in the U.S. Wave your flag, right? (laughs) But it does sort of go along the same thing. So when you sell a product on Amazon, they're expecting that the products you sell are going to be, like if you're buying, and this is assuming Amazon.com, they're expecting that the products you sell on Amazon.com are intended for the U.S. market. And that sounds really simple to a, like most of us hearing that probably say, wow, why wouldn't it be? <laughs> you know? But if you think what, what we're starting to see this trend of is there's a lot of websites out there that are designed to separate Amazon sellers from their dollars. And they do this by finding ways to cut corners and make money off of sellers who don't know any better. So there's like one of the big things that we've been seeing a trend of is sellers buying products from third-party sellers on walmart.com that ship products from China that are usually counterfeit. Those, of course, are not, you know, counterfeit products are not protected by the first sale doctrine. You can't sell them in, in on Amazon. They don't take... For those any, who don't know, you can sell on Amazon.com yes. as a third-party seller and have yes. inventory that's not endorsed by or held by or okayed by Walmart. So it, you could be buying counterfeit inventory off Walmart.com. It's very possible. Right, which is why we only recommend buying from Walmart as Walmart. a seller, not from any Walmart third-party seller. You can resell. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, similarly, we're also seeing this rise of interesting websites that are popping up and they come up with fancy names and they look really good. They've got great web designers, but they're typically based in foreign countries and they may not even really make you realize it's a foreign country. Like some websites are explicit that you'll be, you'll be purchasing in euros, you know, or British pounds. That's a pretty good indicator that it's a foreign country because, you know, you're not going to usually buy American products from a U.S. company in euros. But some of them will charge you in U.S. dollars, and they'll make it look like it's a, a website here in the States, but then the products will be shipped to you, and they'll come DHL, and they'll be shipped from you know France. Well, mm-hmm. or Spain. Red flag. Red flag, because it may be authentic product. Like, well, let's take a bottle of sunscreen. You might buy a bottle of sunscreen, and it's authentic sunscreen shipped from Spain to the United States. It came from the manufacturer. It was, you know, that maybe it's, it's Italian sunscreen that was made in Italy sold in Spain. It's also sold in the United States, but they you're buying the one in Spain and it's being shipped to you there. The problem with it is that when you start selling it on an Amazon listing, consumers may notice that it's a different bottle. You know, it may be in Spanish or it may have, you know, seven seven languages on it, you know, the official languages of the European Union. And when you're looking at the bottle, it's different. Um, you know, food products for instance in Europe have circular uh you know, circular horizontal food labels that have kilocalories and kilojoules and things like that. Whereas products in the United States are, 
or, or vertically based with bars and squares and says and ounces. Right. Yeah, and ounces too, you know, not grams. So the products can be materially different between the two state two countries or two, you know, two economies because one is packaged for Spain and the other is packaged for the US. Even if it's the exact same packaging, it can still be a problem because the manufacturer has intended for that bottle to be sold in Spain. And so when we start taking it into the United States without the manufacturer's consent, we're now importing a product across, you know, across country borders right. without manufacturer consent. And so, you know, just from a high-level legal scenario, the first sale doctrine doesn't apply to that sale. And the big example I remember was a guy who was, I think, going to Europe and he was buying up very expensive textbooks for pennies on the dollar where they're much cheaper over there. And he was bringing them right. back and selling them in the U.S. And right. there was a big lawsuit. And I think that's what brought awareness to this for a lot of people is just, just because you can fit it in your suitcase or get someone to ship it to you in a box doesn't mean you're allowed to sell it in the country where you're at. Correct. Because then it becomes what's called a parallel import. And you got that case perfect. And they're now using that to, you know, expand trademark law here in the States. So big rule of thumb, you know, checking your websites, make sure that it has a U.S. address on the website, U.S. customer service team. You know, I'm always a big thing, a big advocate. If you've never heard of the website before, you know, do your due diligence. And if you find, you know, if you, if you feel comfortable, buy one item, don't buy 25 just because they're a good deal. Buy one, ship it to your house and look at it because you can tell a lot by looking at the tracking history as to where that product came from, how it's packaged. And if you get that bottle of sunscreen, you know, I'm a huge advocate. Go to CVS, buy the same bottle of sunscreen, put them side by side. Are they the same? Are they the same size? Are they the same weight? Are they the same color? And if it shows up DHL, that's always a little bit of a red flag. Like, "Hmm, I didn't realize I was ordering something from another country. You know, for me, that's a little red flag for me to just be sure and verify as well. Absolutely. So watch for all that sort of stuff and, and see. And then also watch out, you know, uh, UPS now has some interv- interesting, I think they're called mail innovations, where stuff is shipped and it'll just be like magically appear in the United States <laughs> and it's really being shipped from abroad. So you got to okay. watch out for the packages too. But Gotcha. Well, great tip, yeah. man. Appreciate you. you. Hopefully that'll help keep someone out of some trouble there. And I, you always do. You bring such great practical tips that we can just put to work right when we hear them. So thanks for hanging out with us today. And We'll hang out with you again very soon. For those who didn't realize it, Jeff is one of the great sponsors coming up at The Proven Conference, July 6th through 8th, 2023. You're going to be there, right, buddy? Bringing your team? I already booked my ticket. In fact, uh, I was talking to one seller. They said plane tickets are going up in price. So, you know, I locked mine in a couple of weeks ago. I highly recommend everyone else do the same. So Yeah, for sure. See you in Ohio in July. Can't wait to do it. And we'll have you back again next week. All right, Jeff? All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Talk to you then. See you, buddy. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.